All right, so you are a guide, just a normal guy from a thriller book, like a journalist or let's say even a podcaster. I can relate so far, continue. Yeah, yeah. you get caught up in a uh, series of events or a conspiracy way above your head. Gotcha. You're wound up uh, tied to a chair lair of an evil villain. Ooh. Yeah. Gotcha. You suspect that the guy who the uh, let's call him a super competent secret agent or detective or whoever roped you into this is on your side. Jason Bourne. He's somewhere out there and he's hopefully going to rescue you. But that's your only hope because his villain is super bad. Right? So you're yep. tied up. The villain's got a henchman and the villain's so confident that he's got your number. He's going to tell you his evil plan. I like it. When that happens and you're tied up and all this is going on, do you bother like yelling at the guy? Or when he tells you his evil plan, Mm. do you like, oh, you monster. Do you think you would do that in that scenario? Would you talk back? After I stop crying, um... (laughs) No, I no, no. I think I would be a mess. <laughs> if he's like, you know, and then that I'm going to uh, blow up the bridge. The yeah, close to the city's water supply with LSD. Mm. You know, would you? Oh, you monster! That'll give the children nightmares. Like, <laughs> I don't think I would say, "Oh, you monster!" You give the children nightmares or whatever. Uh, yeah, but I would know from watching movies, the longer the villain gives you time to give them, give you their speech, the better chance you have. Because the villains are never like, you know, dead, you know? They're always, they always want to explain things because they're misunderstood characters. Yeah. Correct? Or, yeah, they have their own motivation. And in the, better, in the better stories, they're not just bad guys because they're bad. They have their own motivations. Mm. What would you do? I don't know. So what brought it up? I finished Crooked River. Gotcha. This Preston Lincoln Child. Mild spoilers. Just a heads up. Um, There's a guy tied to a chair. No, that something along those lines happens toward the end. You know, it's. You know, I enjoyed it. It's a well done little thriller. But there was somebody in that scenario. And she did the whole, you monster, I can't believe you. And I kind of rolled my eyes at it. But then I was like, wait, is that? Because I was thinking if you were writing a story like that, you would have to have something believable for the character to say. Yeah. And then I was thinking, is that even believable? Because I rolled my eyes, not because I know what would be done in that scenario in real life. No. I just bond movies and read enough of these little thrillers to where I'm like, eh, he's either going to rescue you or you're going to die. You don't need to bother talking. Yeah, I think they put a bag over your head and then they kill you in reality, which is a super big downer to start the podcast on. Welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about uh, books and being tied to a chair. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. So you did finish your thriller. Yeah. I finished two books this week. Pretty big week. Yeah. Uh, the first book I talked about last week, Hard Raid and Falling by Don Carpenter. Five-starred it. Gave it five stars. Starts the week off with a five-star read. 
Um, I talked about it last week. I just have a, a couple of closing thoughts on it. Um, it kind of closes uh, the book um, looking at a character who's trying to uh, redeem themselves, but also kind of like have a n- new outlook on how to face the world and how to accept love or and handle their past. Um, and it's done really well. Um, it's really interesting. It's more, it's, it, there's more to it than, than meets the eye. I think with the book, you, you kind of think it was just a crime novel or a, uh, a book about the sixties or something like that. Um, it's, someone described it. I think I can't remember who it was on the back, but it's kind of described as like a, a Jack Kerouac novel without all the kind of euphoria and happiness. Ooh. Well, yeah. So kind of wrapped up in the crime settings. Yeah. Um, and so the main character, Jack Levitt, sort of, I, I kind of wrote this down. He's trying to learn how to cope with life when it doesn't offer you much. And throughout most of the novel, he, he reacts to that with violence and bad behavior and sort of like that. And then the ending, the ending of the book, there's sort of, uh, I wouldn't say it's completely positive, but there's sort of, um, definitely a shift in his thinking. And so he's not really planning for the future in a way uh, that he was in the beginning of the novel. Um, But it's, it, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of stuff I don't want to kind of give away as sort of like uh, what it's about. Cause it kind of, well, might, it surprised me kind of what the the book delves into. Um, So I finished that. And then I started a thriller book, which I don't read a lot of, but this one was awesome. It's The Mist by Ragnar Johansson. Or Johansson. Okay, you already finished it? I finished it in like three days. It's not long, but it's, it's like it's excellent. I would say the first half of the book is like one of the best thrillers I've ever read. Uh, and one of the best things I've read all year. The second half does its job of kind of explaining what the, the buildup is kind of the premise of the story is um, there is a detective uh, Holda. Uh, her last name is not pronounceable by me, but she's a detective and there's something that has gone, you know, horribly wrong in a recent past and she gets back on a new case and it's a kind of a murder out in the takes place in Iceland it's a murder out in the eastern part of Iceland that's like, des- you know, more remote than than the rest of Iceland. Yeah. Uh, and then the book jumps back kind of two months to like the Christmas period. It tells the story of this sort of um, couple in their 50s that kind of lives on this farm that was inherited through the uh, the guy's family. And then there's this, there's this kind of like... Um, lone visitor who knocks on their door during a blizzard and the kind of story goes from there um it is there are some scenes where you're just like this is so intense um and what's interesting is i didn't really realize this is the mist is the third book in the series and it's the final book in the series and normally you would think well this is not the point you want to read from you know, start the series from the end. The book is in reverse chronological order. So the first book, The Darkness, finds this detective Holda at the end of her life. And I think she's called back 
from retirement. Oh. Uh, and the second book is sort of her middle age. This is sort of her forties. And the, the, the book also alternates between this murder out in, at this farm and, tie, and then it also jumps back to the tragedy of Holda and her family life, which is a very dark story that involves her husband and daughter. Um, don't want to, you know, give too, too much away, but it's a very, you know, I think if you had read the first two books, you might, you would forecast what happens in that part, but I didn't uh, kind of like know what was going on with that the whole family dynamic. But um, needless to say, going forward, her life is, um ruined traumatized so it's kind of a weird entry point i would think into the story it's the beginning of the story but if you had read the first two books you sort of know i would think know her story more um that's a cool way to structure it yeah it's an excellent book i highly recommend it you're gonna read the other two um yeah i think so um this is he also has a series called the Dark Iceland series, which is a five book um, series. So he's a pretty pro- prolific um, thriller writer. So it's kind of I was ha- I was happy to have someone who I can uh, if I was looking for a thriller, just you know, get one of his books because they're really good, really good. Really, really smartly done. So. Uh, did, so you finished the popcorn book, correct? Yeah. You have anything else to say other than you know getting tied to chairs and what you would say to the uh, captors about that? I, I liked it better than some of the others. Okay. I touched on it last time. They put out one a year. Yeah. Which you would think, as like a fan, that'd be a treat. Like yeah, you know, as opposed to people waiting on the. Uh, Game of Thrones or the Patrick Rothfuss book. Yeah. But some of the, the last six or seven of these Detective Pendergast books that I just read, they are they were kind of uh, thin. They yeah. they felt a little rushed. They felt like this one was a little better and it, it felt a little more like some of the older books where they were, were good. But I I was actually kind of thinking about that. Sometimes you don't want them too too quick. Some of yeah, these I might, mean- really pleasant series if it was every three or four years there was yeah, a that's, really- a, that's an interesting question because you obviously want the, the books if you like the series and it's sometimes they just never appear in the case of you know game of thrones or or there's long breaks and you're not sure what will happen so there is that kind of balance do you want like a okay novel just to continue the story versus you know a huge layoff or do you want you know if it the book is rushed it might even be bad there'll be some gaps it's not bad but it's just kind of like this seems a little seemed like you're on a deadline and you had two weeks to finish you know it's not quite i would keep that in mind impatient for stuff i mean if it takes i mean this is like a you know a 300 400 page thriller yeah imagine how long it's going to take to do a thousand page fantasy i know because also I would, you know, Martin and Rothfuss at this point, I would think more so with Martin there. I mean, they really have no schedule. I don't think the publishers, you know, saying, Hey, you have a deadline of, you know, March yeah. of 2021 or, you know, something like that. They were they, sell well enough. They have a little, they can push back. 
But then you also, I also kind of wonder what if they did have these deadlines and they said, you know, your contract. Yeah. But, but they don't really have any leverage, you know, in, in those discussions because it, he could just go, well, I'll take the book, you know, X, Y, and Z and they'll. Yeah. He's they, popular enough to, to do that. You know? Yeah. But there's, just, yeah. But there's that question of like, you're, you're popular, but like, I, I also think you sort of need, you know, someone to hold you accountable if that makes sense yeah like, you know like maybe a deadline would kind of make you yeah but i, I don't know it's a, it's a, i can kind of tie myself up into thinking about because then i can also be like it's the writer's creative process and you know no one else's should dictate what that is so or it takes time to produce like a, a, a tightly knit yeah compelling novel that's just something to keep in mind as far as series go Sometimes maybe you don't want them that fast. Well, but The Mist, holy crap. Mist, all right. I'll the put Mist. That on. It was one of the three uh, library books I picked up this week. So I picked up The Mist and I started that one because I think it had the most like uh, reserved copies or people requesting copies. Yeah. I try to be a good library patron and re read the book that I know I can't renew first, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got that. I got the uh, the Basque uh, mystery novel called The Silence of the White City. Oh, with the Kraken? The Kraken. The Detectives of the Kraken. I kind of read the first five pages of it. And it was in a totally different, like, register than The Mist. Sort of like it's in first person and all this stuff. And I was like... Is it I, translated from Spanish or is it Spanish? Just... I'm reading it in Spanish. No, it's oh, <laughs> I said translated from Spanish. Yeah. Or is it? It's, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's translated. Uh, yeah, it's not an English speaking writer. I don't think uh, <laughs> writing about that the Spanish anyway. Yeah. So I didn't want to really start too much into that. And then I got the Robert Draper to start a war. About the uh, Bush administration and the uh, the decision to start a war, basically, yeah. uh, in 2003. So that you know, those are going to be two different kind of uh, reading experiences. I think yeah. this week. Did you start that one? Uh no, I haven't started oh. that one. And then we also have uh, our August book of the month, Flashman. Um, I have not started that either. So those three books, I think I'll probably start this week. So yeah, perfect. Yeah, I, uh, we won't, I guess we won't. Obviously, we won't talk about the the Bush book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, but I, uh, if I find I when I start reading one, that, I if I yeah. I want to, if I'm you know liking it or not liking it, I'll kind of give a general uh, feeling on the book. Um, it has been getting good reviews. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to start that book too. So what about you? Have you started, you've, you've read Flashman before it was your, your nomination. Did you yeah. start reading it yet? Um, no, I'm going to, I want to finish Crooked River and then I'll, okay. I'm going to read Flashman. I mean, I'll reread it too. I won't just. Gotcha. And we'll probably, we'll talk about Flashman, uh, probably every week this in August besides, the, but you know, at the end of August, we'll kind of do a an overview of the entire book. So, yeah. ideally, depending on you know how it goes, but I think we'll probably do just an, uh, 
just a Flashman episode, like the yeah, like we did just like Utopia Avenue. Um, and then I also ordered our seasonal book. It hasn't come yet. Oh yeah, uh, the Canto Monte Cristo. It's not how you say it normally, but that's how I say it. You can say it French. I, uh, I didn't know you on a Saturday hot summer evening. <laughs> uh, but that should be arriving any days now, and I'm excited to uh, dip into that too. So, a lot of books. Um, what else has been going on, Matt? We hung out this week uh, in your backyard, uh, drinking beer, talking books, like like two podcasters would. Yeah, two middle-aged dudes. Two middle-aged dudes yeah. who uh, have their dogs hang out together. And <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a dog at my feet right now with a big old throw pillow. He's thrashing it around like it's a rabbit. Mm. That's probably not – is he allowed to do that? Yeah, that's his pillow. We, we just kind of gave up. He's not allowed to do that with all the pillows, but there's one that's just his. Does he know which pillows that he can do that to, or is it? It's the one we just leave on the floor. And he, he <laughs> he's tired, and he needs a nap, but he hears talking. And so he's uh, – He hears my voice. He met me. I've met him before. Yeah, yeah. He's very intrigued by uh, – <laughs> My baritone voice. Yeah. Our dogs went on a long walk this morning. I woke up late. Didn't have to work today. No, so, yeah. Um, let me sleep in. Let me sleep in. I had a couple of beers last night. It's like, let me get some rest. And uh, the everyone went on a walk, a very long walk. I did not. Woke up and started reading The Mist and finished The Mist. It was good. I always like it when I uh, – I didn't start it today. But I oh. read like 150 pages today. But okay. it's not – it's not – it was, you know, it's pretty – not a lot of words on the page. Oh, yeah, I'm making it sound like a large print book, but it was no. I, I know, you know it's like yeah. after a chapter, there's a white page. You know, you know what that? You know, yeah. when they yeah, do yeah. that, and so that like you feel like you're reading super fast. Mm-hmm. How many chapters are there? Is it one where there's uh, like there's, chapters? The chapters aren't the longest chapters. Maybe ten pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I would say there's probably like. 25 to 30 white pages you know like blank pages in the book so that's kind of how the pacing goes it'd be interesting to compare like um because there were thriller like pulpy thrillers back a hundred years ago in the Mm -hmm. 20s 30s and 40s and everything it'd be interesting to compare like one of these new thrillers with you know 70 different chapters because they break it up like that to compel interest to kind of keep you going and every little chapter ends on a cliffhanger and It'd be interesting to, to read like a, a pulpy thriller from the thirties and to kind of compare how they did. Yeah. Kind of like trace how the, the genre formed. Yeah. It, it, changes in publishing. And, you know, it's, sort of, it's, it's a genre that sort of has like elements that you kind of have or notes you have to hit, you know what I mean? And this book yeah. does it, the mist does it. And if this was a movie, like during scary movies or like thrillers or whatever, sometimes I have this trick. I wear glasses and I don't like being, well, I don't like, okay, I'm, this will make sense in a second. All right, all right. I don't like being like, you know, jump scares or anything like that or freaked out. So what I do is I take off my glasses. My eyes are still open, but I'm very blind. So I will like, it looks like I'm watching whatever's going on, but I can't see anything. Uh-huh. And, and, and you don't have to you don't have to look like a little 
little baby who's closing yeah, his eyes. Yeah, I don't have to look like a child and be like, I can't so, watch. But internally, I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? So what I'll do is I'll take off the glasses. Uh, and it looks like I'm watching. And sometimes I'll like kind of take them off, put them back on. Because, you know, you can kind of tell when the jump scare is done. Mm-hmm. But this book, I was like, oh, I wish I could take off my glasses. <laughs> and ironically. I couldn't because then I couldn't read the book. Well, that's how you get captured in the uh, the thriller version where you're the journalist who gets kidnapped. Mm. You took off your glasses during a scary part of the movie. And the henchman came and kidnapped you. If I was kidnapped and they took away my glasses, I would be kind of calm because I couldn't tell what was going on. Like they could have like knives out and I would be like, like I'm very blind. So I can see like shapes and colors and stuff like that. But like they would be like threatening me and they'd be like, read this paper, tell the date. And I'd be like, I can't, I don't know what that says. And they'd be like, you're, you know, we're going to kill you. And I was like, I can't see the knife you have. (laughs) So. That would be your sword. Yeah. You wouldn't be sassy talking back. Be I, like, I wish I could help you, but uh, yeah, when sorry. you can't see, it's hard to be sassy because I feel like a sassiness is tied to sight. That's a quote. Write that down. Write that down. Sassiness is tied to sight. Yeah, Maybe. that actually sounds all right. That's that not sounds right. like a. We'll attribute it to Dorothy Parker. Put mm-hmm. it on like a Goodreads, our favorite quotes. Yeah, sassiness is one of Dorothy Parker, and see if anybody's like, oh yeah. The Dorothy Park, the Dorothy Parker estates, like she didn't say that. We're like, well, prove it. She's got a lot of stuff. Prove it. Yeah, you weren't there the whole time. <laughs> this is a uh, this is a free flowing uh, episode of uh, randomness. Mm-hmm. We I we we tried to start having a, a show, kind of like format. I didn't send you one. And, uh, oh yeah, I thought about. I figure I wrote down some stuff, and I've set everything I wrote down so far. Uh, I got some stuff because I started. I always do this. I always get in over my head. Like I have Count of Monte Cristo to read Mm -hmm. and Flashman to read, but I saw at the library they had uh, a new biography of Alexander the Great. Ooh. Oh, should I should I tell my uh, quick uh, library story I told you on Wednesday? for the listener oh, sure. yeah. so you know i hadn't gone to the library before uh they have a table kind of like a tent thing where there's a, a person kind of like at the front door and i go to them to be like do i have to like check in to get in i have my mask on everything like that you know wear a mask everything and there's like you know just go in okay and they the way they have it is like the right side of the doors and they're kind of like, you know, sliding doors. You don't have to touch anything is exit left side is enter. So it's like, if you were in England, this would make sense. You know what I mean? Normally in my head, right side, enter the other side, exit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll just go in and I, I stand. But what I don't realize is this, the front of the library has the sliding doors and then to the left and right, it's just a glass window that doesn't do anything. It's not a door. Uh, <laughs> so I stand in front of that for like a good couple seconds and then realize I'm not standing in front of the door because I know I've been there before. The doors slide open. Yeah. But with, nice. with everything going on, I don't – I'm, like, I'm I'm flustered, I guess. So I'm just standing in front of this not door that's not opening because it's not a sliding door. And then I realize what's going on and I you – know, so, sorry. 
Well, and that should put uh, uh, certain certain myths and conceptions to rest. Book people are not necessarily smart. No, it was socially awkward. And Some of us are just big fat babies who like books, you know, <laughs> the way kids like candy. We just like stories. We're not like yeah. brilliant or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, uh, I don't know what the purpose of that tent is by the library because they have that tent set up and, yeah. and a security guard and sometimes a librarian sent. And the first time I went after it opened, I kind of just, there was no line or anything, but I was just hanging around the tent. I was like, I don't know, are they going to take my temperature? There's nothing. And the librarian lady was like, uh, can I help you? And I was like, oh, I just want to enter the library, please, ma'am. She's like, oh, go ahead. She said it like I was dumb. It's like, I don't know, why do you have the tent? If you're just letting people yeah, go the, in like normal, kinda, you don't need a tent. I almost, I walked up to the tent and I like took out my library card. Like that was my like, okay to get into the library. Yeah, if they're checking in, like, yeah. In, in situations like that, I sort of like panic and just try to like do stuff. Like, <laughs> let me take out my library card and they're going to be like, yeah, we have to scan that. Like, well, you I just want to be a good. Uh, I was making stuff up in my brain, like what I needed to do. Because I didn't read on the website what I did. <laughs> what book do you want? Like they're gonna like yeah. read out the I, uh, posers. I was uh, open like, to anything. What book are you get? I was like, I didn't know if there was like a limit or if like yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And I also I didn't tell you this. I get in and they you know, they have like the 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 areas where you reserve books or whatever. And I reserved yeah. three books. I didn't see my the the letter of where I needed to go. And I was walking around like I was like, I'd never been in this library before. I was like pacing and that, it crossed my, my mind for like half a second just to like walk out and be like, <laughs> I can't handle this. I don't know where the books are. There's too and much I, pressure. Yeah. It was too, I was too flush. It was like two minutes of just like peer, like I'm screwing up. Uh, yeah. I was like, and then I was like, you know what? I need to find these books. Cause because <laughs> in the library there's like the help desk to the kind of like the left the like little like uh standing up uh desks they have there where they, they had two people there yeah and i was like they're just looking at me like is this guy gonna ask for help i was just like i gotta find i gotta find this i gotta find these books huh. and i eventually found them and i was like oh, okay oh, well, good you almost psyched yourself out just being oh i totally psyched yourself. myself out yeah. yeah it was i stood in front of just a glass window thinking it was a door couldn't <laughs> find the books once i got in there oh uh, yeah it's too much so like a scary dream it was a scary i almost took off my glasses and then just went home <laughs> <laughs> okay you were telling a story about the library what was i mean i didn't can't hold a candle to that story. Yeah, I know it's pretty. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, story. but I saw. I'm a sucker for. I like uh, the story of Alexander the Great. Interesting. Uh, I'm gonna stop you. I don't really know much about Alexander the Great other than the Colin Farrell movie, and I didn't even see that movie, so I know nothing. Oh, about Alexander in the trailer. Well, okay, so he was Greek. I no, you talk to me like I'm an idiot because I don't know really. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, uh, he was a Macedonian, um, basically a kid when he started, uh, started his, uh, his campaign. Yeah. His dad was king of Macedonia. When was this? Give me a, 
three he was born in the 350s bc oh and he died in the 320s 330s he died when he was 32 about 33 oh um so are you telling me i've lived longer than alexander the great yeah so there's a story um julius caesar before he became kind of julius caesar he was just a prefect or whatever in he was was jesus caesar yeah, God, yeah, it's terrible. No, so before, because Julius Caesar conquered Gaul, and that's how he kind of became the legend, and he yep. came back, right? Like, we can't so call him Oh God, okay. We continue the joke. <laughs> so he, there's a story about him standing in front of a statue of Alexander the Great mm-hmm. and weeping because Julius Caesar was already older than Alexander the Great had ever been. And it basically conquered the world and Caesar hadn't really done anything. Hmm. So yeah, that's the... Uh, if you knew someone, like if, you, if I was to tell you a story and I told you, and I was like, I went and I saw this statue and I started crying, what would your reaction be? Uh, the same reaction I had to the, when you almost got lost in the library. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. But then I. But then I. Like not surprised. Like yeah, that seems about right. I'm not surprised. You must have a lot of emotions if you cry in front of a statue because you haven't accomplished everything that that person. No, did. he had a huge ego. Yeah, your ego. Look at that. It's like okay, yeah, one because they're both terrible. Like it's been long enough where the, the visceral like just how terrible you have to be to to like because they just massacre whole towns, crucify people like. They're not good people. They no. kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions, for their own, you know, mm. ego or, or search for glory. But you know, it's, Alexander, Alexander the Great is an interesting story because he was his dad was king of Macedonia. Okay, kind of like a part of Greece, a province of Greece. Um, this is a little bit after the the Battle Marathon. You know the plot, the whole, the whole, the the three hundred story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is eighty to one hundred years. I don't know. Don't make fun of me for the dates, but like, uh, it's it's after that, and Alexander wants. He's always had his ambition to conquer the world, and immediately to the east is the Persian Empire, and so he basically he just his dad gets assassinated, and who assassinated him and all that is kind of murky, but he assumes the kingship after that. Okay. Um, like in 1920, like really, really young, and then he goes out. Oh, east I was like, I thought you were saying at 1920. I was like, dude, what are you talking? About? He was like at, 19 or 20. at the age of 19 or 20. Okay, okay. Yeah, and then he goes east with an army of Greeks to conquer the world, the known world, and he does. He never lost a battle. He conquers My- the Persian Empire, like just marches all the way through to what is now India. Oh, really? Yeah, this is, of course, the 10, 12 years. And it never lost. Like, never lost a battle. He so he was on a never-ending conquering? Well, he was planning on – so what happened? He was planning on consolidating, but he just kept going because he never lost. Like, through, Would he or, just like, take the people day? that he, like, slaughtered, like the people he didn't kill, and it was like, you're – No, in he was actually – what he would do was uh, – kind of allow the local people to keep their customs and their gods okay you know and kind of he would like as he passed through persia and what's now afghanistan 
in India, he would adopt local customs and make a big show of uh, okay. like, I'm your king, but I dress like you. And to kind of absorb everything into his empire, because on some level he knew that's the best way to keep the peace. I'll be able to keep the empire if I don't alienate the local, the local people. Ironically, it alienated his men, right? So his original Macedonian, like hardcore troops, like felt like insulted. Like what's he, is he going, he's like a Persian now? He's, they felt, so, so he never lost, but he gets to like modern day India, Pakistan, and he yeah. wants to keep going to China. They call Cathay. He wants to see the Pacific Ocean, but his troops. He knows about the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I don't think called the Pacific Ocean, but he's there's rumors of they call it ancient China was Cathay, C A T H A Y, and you know they knew there was uh, the end of the world, like the Pacific Ocean was there, and the rumors of China, and uh, he wanted to keep going, but his his men like refused, so he had to like as a matter of practicality turn back. So we turned back, he went to Babylon, ancient Babylon, which actually sounds really cool, just like the way, the, the, this author, Anthony Everett, is really good at getting- Okay, yeah, I was gonna ask you, the next question was, what's the, who, what's the book? Okay, I see Anthony it. Anthony Everett, it's called Alexander the Great. His life and his mysterious death. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I was pleasantly surprised. I read a couple books on Alexander the Great just over the last you know, 10 years. And this one's really good. Okay. It's, uh, so you, you never read, know. You read this book? I'm in the middle. I'm reading it right now. Oh, cool. And I'm going to finish. I was, yeah, interested to see it. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to finish. It's really good. The guy's got a good eye for, like, detail and context. You know, kind of like, yeah, even just small things, you know, because, you like, there's scenes of, you know, uh, Alexander and his men sitting around drinking wine. And he'll just drop a little detail, like, this wine would have been more syrupy than what we're used to nowadays. So I like that. Water. Just like a small detail. Just to kind yeah. of like set, because when you say wine yeah. now, you have a certain expectation. Yeah. Obviously and he knows that. So it's good. It's actually really interesting. He'll drop a little detail like that. He described Babylon from the 330s BC really, really okay. well. It's an interesting place. Anyway, Alexander came back to Babylon and uh dies he comes down with an illness for about a week and then he just kind of dies and nobody really knows the rumors he just got it's there's the rumors he got assassinated he alienated his lieutenants and his generals and Hmm. they poisoned him or maybe he just got sick for real they don't know but uh the premise or one of the premises of this book is he's gonna at the end, laying the scary about who actually killed him. Okay. It's so good. That, it's interesting. So that's Alexander the Great, His Life and His Mysterious Death by Anthony Everett. Yeah. Uh, that looks really good, actually. Um, not much of a, a, like a memoir, not a memoir, but a biography about people, which I think it might change. You know, I'm reading thrillers, thinking about mysteries. Maybe I'll start yeah. reading biographies. It, a well-done biography is, is pretty Yeah, it's because it's also, I like what it, it also gives you is sort of a context of the time so it's a history of time and place through the well, character yeah well done biographies will do that it's yeah. not just about the guy it's about the surrounding area what are the uh, sources for for alexander like what oh i'm glad you asked okay. so at the time his generals um i guess the most famous one that we know of now is ptolemy 
but spelled with a P, Pete Ptolemy, right? Like, uh, anyway, well, Cleopatra, the famous Cleopatra was a, of the Ptolemaic line. She I'm glad you clarified not the famous. You know. What other Cleopatra would there have been? Oh, it was like a, it was like Henry for the English kings. There are oh, a bunch that's of Cleopatra. That's a common name. Okay. They're all named Cleopatra. An idiot. I mean, she was like, but the famous one, like the famous, she was a descendant of Ptolemy, who was one of Alexander's generals. Oh, who really? Wound up, who wound up going off to Egypt and becoming king of Egypt after Alexander died. But anyway, those guys, there were a bunch of like primary sources at the time. And then there were a couple hundred years later, a bunch of history books written based off of the primary sources at the time. Hmm. What exists nowadays yeah. is just the secondary sources. The primary okay. sources are gone. But it's we have a guy called Yeah, yeah, we can't find them. But a guy called Arian and a couple other people from like 300 years later who had access to the primary sources. So we have we have that. That's as far back as it goes. Okay. Three hundred years after. So it's kind of interesting. It'd be like the revolution. If all we have on the Revolutionary War was stuff written now, and we lost all of the primary documents. Yeah, it's sort of it Good. tells you how you know the, the you know the difference in time and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah. The second half of the episode is just you teach me stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, so that's interesting, Alexander the Great. It's one of those things. It's it's a uh, you know when we have our our uh, blind spots of, of reading or we haven't read certain things. Yeah. Some stuff is like history wise. I'm just like I, yeah, I like history. I read read quite a bit of history. Sometimes there's just I don't know anything about Alexander yeah, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Um. It'd be fun to like go into areas like that, like. Uh, when I was reading the bridge on the Drina, mm-hmm. at the beginning, there's the part about the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. The bridge itself, the whole book is based around, was built kind of on the whim of like the emperor's vizier, like his right hand man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and like the the whole those couple chapters were done so well. I was like, oh man, I don't know anything about the Ottoman Empire. You know. Yeah. And, the- and I was like, oh, I want to go read a bunch of books on the Ottoman Empire because that sounded fascinating. Like. I wanted to know how this particular guy went from a kidnapped, a, a peasant villager kidnapped from his family in like what is now Bosnia to becoming the emperor's right hand man. You know, like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm that's one of my guess. I'm know, interested like, oh. in that sort of, that, that former Yugoslavia area. It's just like, yeah. it, there's a lot of history and, and uh, like even just trying to learn about the, the Balkan Wars in the 90s, that's, you know. That's that's like a spider web of, of oh, yeah. culture and different stuff like that. See, that would uh, be that's one of my gaps. Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to like I have that gap. Um, a couple years ago, I read about the Romanovs. You know, the, mm-hmm. it was called I think the Race to Save the Romanovs. That was really interesting. I didn't know anything about sort of that time period and all that stuff because um, you just. There's a lot of like moments in history where like these big events happen that you don't um, like they just kind of get forgotten about. And if they were to happen like now, it would be like you would never forget this event. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I always I always keep an eye out. I saw there was a book. It kind of 
you remind me of this. It was um, it's a new history book. Let me bring it up. Hold on one second. But it's a uh, a book that takes place during World War Two. And if I let me if I remember correctly, it has to do with um, it, I think it's 1943 um, in Bari, I want to say Italy, and the Germans attack and they destroy a bunch of ships and the u.s forces pretty much put it you know tried to like uh squash any news of this attack one of the reasons is um there was a ship um, that was carrying mustard gas and it exploded so let me okay i found the book it's called the great secret by uh, Janet Connett, and it comes out September 8th. Um, so let me just read this, and it looks, so the uh, subtitle is, The Classified World War II Disaster That Launched the War on Cancer. So that's like, how, how, does, how did those two events? So yeah. here, here's what I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, let's see here. The... Germans attack sinking 17 ships and producing damage and casualties comparable to Pearl Harbor, which was like, when I was reading the review, I was like, geez, I never even heard of this. Um, this event that provided to be a terrible embarrassment to the Allies who made a partially successful effort to suppress news of the attack. They were better able to hide what happened over the next days and weeks. Victims appeared burned and blistered, yet their hair and eyebrows were unburned. Their eyes and throat were inflamed, and they often died with what seemed like pneumonia. Ultimately, about 600 were affected. Um, some doctors suspected that they were seeing symptoms of mustard gas exposure. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. The Allied High Command accepted uh, this report by a uh, uh, colonel um, saying that the, uh, a ship was had mustard gas on board. But where it kind of gets interesting uh let's see here this high command says he reported that the gas killed victims rapidly dividing blood and uh cells since cancer cells also divide rapidly here was a chemical that would destroy them alexander who is the uh commander uh returned to private practice after the war but his findings galvanized the few medical researchers looking for drugs to fight cancer uh, the book smoothly switches gears, and and Conant devotes the final third of her book to the early efforts, which were dogged by controversy and disappointment, but began achieving permanent cures by the 1960s uh, to cancer. So it, it's like this uh -huh. weird story that you never heard about. Um, I never heard about this kind of attack on um, uh, the harbor of Bari, B-A-R-I. Uh, in, in December of 1943. And then from that leads this kind of like, you know, unique story of history that I like to, I like to read about personally, sort of like, um, you kind of want to know about the bigger stories, but sort of the uh, niche or untold stories are also very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Or when you can hone in on an incident like like, yeah. Hey, that's interesting. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is a book that I just saw that um, Kirkus Reviews gave a starred review, uh, and it comes out next month, so. Hmm. Uh, and it's by 
Janet Conant. So it's called The Great Secret. Um, but talking about history, that just remind me of that book. Yeah. How a how a, a a bombing and a sort of release of mustard gas somehow turns into a you know use in the fight against cancer is i don't know (laughs) i would not have put the two to two together so yeah that's interesting when you can narrow in on kind of an incident like that Matt, what else do we have to talk about this week? Um, I saw that. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh man, I started my copy of Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, you did. It's the Penguin Classic version, and I have this weird thing. I'm trying to get over it, but I feel compelled to start books from the very beginning. It's a little OCD, like yeah. I want to skip. So I like compelled to read the introduction and those stupid timelines. Yeah. You know, they have Sometimes I don't like the introduction because they like spoil the book, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I've kind of given myself permission of late to like skip that stuff. But oh, I don't know. The other night, no, the introduction to Count of Monte Cristo is actually not bad. I'm, I'm gonna, what? I started reading that and it's uh, actually kind of interesting. Nice. I got the legend I got of the story. The Penguin Classic version is what I got coming. That's what I have. Yeah. Okay. Introduction to that is not half bad. But in general, I'm trying to just, just start, start with the book. And if I want to, at the end, I can go back. Go back. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably I, better to do it that way. because then you I did that with uh, Hard Raid Falling. I read yeah. the book. And then I kind of briefly looked at the introduction. But when it started going to plot developments, I just stopped reading it. But then I went yeah. back and read it after I finished it, and I liked it. That's so. the way to do it. I well, I read, like the introduction should be at the end of the book. It should be. It should be a little afterward. Have you ever read a We Have Always Lived in the Castle? Uh-uh. Shirley Jackson? No. So that's a really good book. And I read the introduction to that. My copy has a Jonathan Lethem introduction, and I yeah. read that. And they give away the dang <laughs> insignificant little uh, piece there. Really? And he just like lays it out there. And says, well, See, that's what that's what I get worried about is that they're going to be. Yeah, like, like, don't do that. Yeah, it's not, it's not John Bethan's fault. It's like don't put that at the beginning. Kind of is though. Like you're 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 asking you for introduction right and you spoil the book. Like what? Yeah, are you it's doing? like don't like they hint at it. I don't give anything like they hint yeah. you 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 would suspect it had you not read the introduction, but it's you're supposed to exist as a reader of the book. You're supposed to exist in the tension. Yeah, you know, and there's a couple of different anyway, and it's just like, oh no, I know because you can feel the tension. And you're like, oh, if I hadn't read the introduction, I would be wondering here, but now I just know. That's what I was thinking about that sort of like what you know going into a book and how it affects your reading. So like with the mist, it's the it's the beginning of the story, but the the previous two books, you you know how the de- detective ends up. So her personal story, which I was like, I, there's hints, or I could kind of tell what was happening with her story more than the, the other story, the in the um, kind of like the main murder mystery. And I was wondering if that, like, if I liked it more just because I hadn't, I came in cold and didn't know anything about it. And I saw some review like you can you can read this book 
uh, without the other reading the other two. But I just wonder, like, if you'd gone through, and it's interesting on the thing on the Amazon pages, the first book in the series, but like the one that's at the end of her, of the detective's lives, has like the worst rating, and then the second book has pretty good reviews, and then the mist. Uh, has the best reviews so far. So I don't know if that has anything to do with how this, the story was structured or anything like that. If people came into the, you know, book one and it's the end of the character, if they were kind of like, if, oh. you know, I don't know if the book gets, if the, if her story gets regressively more depressing, it's pretty depressing already, but it's an interesting thing about what you know about a book and how that kind of uh, can affect your, it's well, about it. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think if the writer does it well enough, it can be entertaining, even if you know what's going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, you're still like, oh crap. You know, so if they do it well, it can be kind of fun. Like, God, I don't even know what the Star Wars prequels could have been. I mean, they were generally pretty crap, sure. but the idea, if you had pulled it off well, it, it would be interesting to see how this kid became Darth Vader. Or uh, what's a, what's a yeah? I mean, to do it right, you really have to like, you really have to have the structure down or the the, the outline down really well because you need to be if to tell it in like the reverse, you really need to have things make sense or like cause and effect sort of. Yeah, we can play with the audience if you know most of your audience knows how it turns out. You can yeah. still play. With yeah, them. you can play with it. You can kind of you can play on the the audience's assumptions or I assume this happened or um, you know x y and z and then sort of like twist it and sort of add nuance to it yeah. to you just uh, make it fun to see how the character got there. yeah so have you read the Narnia books I've not read the Narnia books uh, well that was a random question I did not expect no it's kind of in keeping with this is for the audience who has kind of read them yeah there's, uh, you know, there were seven and it was originally released and I read them in the order of one through seven with the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe being the first one you read and you go kind of in order. Yeah. And the sixth book, The Magician's Nephew, is the first one chronologically, but it was written sixth. And there's a new, like the new round of publishing they've done lately, they reverse it and they put a little one on the magician nephew and they, they kind of screwed with the order. And I totally disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, it makes, and it's kind of what we were talking about, right. With yeah. the, uh, cause it, chronologically magician's nephew is first and we'll pause here. Minor spoilers for a chronicle of Narnia in case. Yeah. So I figure for spoilers, we do just heads up and then yeah. a couple beats for people to pause and then we keep going, right? So, but whatever. So with the Narnia books, it's kind of fun to read it in the original order with the number six, because you figure out that the professor from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, the old man is yeah. the kid from The Magician's Nephew. But it's, it's fun to kind of piece that together. I do not like the fact that they're going back after the fact and making The Magician's Nephew first. Just so he, yeah. C.S. Lewis did it well. And you're like, oh crap, that's the that's the professor as the kid. It's cool to figure out. Yeah, yeah. If you read it in order. So I'm a strong proponent of reading Chronicles of Narnia in the original order. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I kind of understand why they do it in, in one sense, but also like, 
I don't know. The, 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 the author, the author has some idea because yeah. you're not really letting the author kind of like jump in time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, maybe I don't want to tell this story like this way. I want to go, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, yeah. I mean, certain stories you should probably read in order just because you wouldn't understand a lot. But other stories, I think, um, there's enough gaps or the, it's sort of more episodes rather than plot, mm-hmm. plot, overarching plot going through. So it's an interesting debate. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, looks like I don't have anything else to talk about, man, but uh, I've learned a lot this, this yeah. week on this episode. Um, the audience can get in contact with us as always at Instagram. We got a couple, uh, you gain traction with uh, a post about with your cat, which got us some new follows on our yeah. Instagram account. There will be books. We also have an email account, will be books at Gmail. We're still waiting on that first email, yeah. And just will be books, just will be will books. Be books um, uh, uh, tell us your email us with your library stories. How yeah, yeah. I, have you ever have you ever been scared um, when you go in there? It's it's a it's a reason why sometimes I'm afraid to do things because I'm like I don't know like the protocol. So instead of like you know instead of having an embarrassing story to tell on a podcast, I'm just like I'll avoid that situation. I just won't go. So take out the glasses and leave the library. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, but I faced my fears and still was embarrassed anyway so get in contact let us know um we are on spotify you can find us there uh we are also on our anchor uh main page um what else do we have we have a goodreads account uh which is matt's heading up and i will soon be adding more content too we'll be creating lists we'll be doing uh you know want to read books i am a notorious to be read book person i add a ton of books i'm always on the search for new books to read you know yeah. that's so one of the purposes of goodreads yeah some reviews matt's doing reviews they're good you were like nervous about them i was like these are pretty good some of them are all right some of them are me just ranting about like i like a book and i'm just like complaining about people who don't like the book but like, whatever I'm a cranky old man I think that's you being ch- tied to the chair and be like you don't look just look and the guy's you like you like Utopia Avenue you're a bunch of jokers and then your captors are like we're threatening you right now and you're like I don't care now I'm the comp- I'm the ultra competent secret agent that's who I am this scene right now nice so for uh, next week we'll probably be talking more about we'll start getting into uh, the Flashman book um, and then uh, we'll kind of talk more about kind of our side books that we're reading. So uh, yeah. if you want to join us in reading Flashman, we'll start talking about it next week. And then uh, we also have some stuff planned uh, in the upcoming weeks. So, And I'm, I'm ready for the Bush stuff. You're ready for the Bush. Yeah, we might get a little political, which I think. Yeah, you know, we'll give you a heads up and you can tune out. <laughs> you can tune out. But uh, if you want to hear two guys talk about. which. Ready. I think it's going to be a, a really good book. So I'm, I'm very interested to start that book this week, but um, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. And uh, for Matt, this is Peter. Uh, thanks for listening to there will be books. Be safe.